Well, welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. If it is your first time here, my name is John. I am the lead pastor. Before I forget, a little personal business real quick. Lauren, wherever you are, we're just talking. There's somebody I want you to meet afterwards who works in your industry. Come find me afterwards. Don't leave. Come find me. Oh, good, you saw me. Anyway, um, if it is your first time here, we are in the middle of this series that we are calling Truly Happy. We're talking about happiness. The, the genesis for this series came to me a couple weeks ago. I talked about this last week, but I saw an article uh, about a Yale professor who had been teaching a course on happiness. Turns out this course was very successful. Uh, she, it was actually the most popular course at Yale in the last 300 years. And she had such success with her students that she opened it up to the, you know, the unwashed masses, us, and she created a podcast known as the Happiness Lab. And as of the time of this article a few weeks ago, it had already been downloaded 64 million times. And I saw that number, and I was, I was just like, wow, okay, this is, we got a lot of people looking for happiness right now, which is not a shocker with everything that's, that's kind of going on in this world. So I thought to myself, all right, we got to have a conversation about happiness. We, we got to take a look at what God has to say about happiness, because if he created happiness, which he did, if he created our capacity to have joy, which he did, we should probably listen to what he's got to say on the topic. And so that's what we're doing. So... If you know me, and many of you, you, you do know me, I like to consider myself somewhat of a connoisseur of Netflix, okay? It's just, it's what I, it's kind of, I have the finger on the pulse of what's hot out there. And I like to give recommendations as to what, you know, you should be watching. And so, for example, if you came to me and you said, John, you know, I'm looking for like a recommendation. I want to watch a cartoon that has, you know, princesses in it. I go, I'm not your guy. Adam, the one who just... To speak to this, like if you're an adult and you go, you know what, I got a hankering to watch movies geared towards children, he's your guy, <laughs> not me. But if you want something culturally relevant that's sort of out there in the cultural zeitgeist, all right, or just plain disturbed, I'm your guy. I got what you need. Now, in the past, I've given a couple of recommendations. The last one put a couple of you in therapy, and I, apolog I apologize for that one. I didn't really, okay, I should have thought better of that. But I got another one for you. It's, it's called Made. I don't know if you've seen this. Okay, hands are up. You've seen it. Great series. So good. Okay? Great, great cast. This is Andy McDowell's daughter. A lot of you older folks might know Andy McDowell. Andy McDowell's in this. She steals the scenes. Many, like Every time she's on the camera, she steals the scene. But great series. Great cast. Great story. Really good soundtrack. However, there were times whilst watching this series that I actually had to get up and walk away from the TV, and I just said to my wife, I can't watch it anymore. I just can't. I can't. It literally pains me. It like physically hurts me to sort of watch some of the things that happens to this girl. And, and it wasn't that it was offensive. It wasn't offensive at all. It was because this girl, who was trying her hardest to make a life for herself and for her daughter, who was trying so hard to find happiness, she would continually do things that break my heart as a pastor. She, she would undermine her own happiness. She gets this big break in life, almost this godlike miracle, we would, we would sort of say. And then she would make a decision that would ultimately undermine her own happiness. And there's nothing more, at least to me, there's nothing more painful than to see folks undermine their own happiness. And maybe it pains you too. Maybe you've seen it too. You always know, see in other people's lives and, and sort of not our own, but you know, you, you know that one couple you hang out with and you just, 
you see the way they kind of talk to each other, and, and, and you go, this is not going to end well for them. Or you got that one buddy who's always crying the blues about money. I don't know why, you know, what, but you look at him, and it's no mystery. You know, I can tell you what your problem is. You're living in your problem. You're driving your problem. You're telling this time on, on, on your problem. Life is hard enough as it is for us. Why, why, why do we do things to make life harder? Why do we do things that ultimately, not immediately, because if it was immediate, we wouldn't do it, but ultimately undermine our own happiness? Based on what I've seen, conversations that I've had, footage that I've watched, I think the reason that ultimately we undermine our own happiness is that there's a, a confusion, if you will, around happiness and pleasure. And this is where I want to land today. I want to talk about the relationship between these two words. But before we have this conversation, i got to lay a little bit of groundwork. We gotta, i got to kind of build a case for you before we get to this. So put that in the back of your mind. So what I want to do first is I want to build on something we learned last week. In fact, I want to pull one of the verses we talked about last week into this week. I want to expand on it. Um, I want to expound on it. I want to show you the full context of just this one verse that I threw at you guys last week. So we're going to drop into the middle of a conversation. That, that can be difficult at times, but leading up to this verse that we're going to look at, Jesus is teaching this crowd about sheep. Now, he's not really talking about sheep. This is a metaphor and an analogy and illustration that he's building, but he's doing this big, complex bit about how robbers and thieves, they go over the wall of a sheep pen. Then he says, shepherds, they go through the gate and lead the sheep through the gate. And when he's done with this big illustration, John says that those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. <laughs> I, I love that. He wraps up this beautiful illustration and people are like, what the heck are you talking about, Jesus? Huh? What? So he recognizes that he's lost them. Not a problem. He hits the reset. He changes the illustration ever so slightly, and he starts over, giving us one of his more famous lines. He goes, all right, I lost you before, but try this on for size. How about this? He goes, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, if you've been at church any length of time, you've probably heard this verse before. If I were to ask you, who is the thief, whether you've been to church or, or you've been to church every day of your life or never been there, you're all smart people, you'd probably go, well, he's probably talking about Satan, right? Because Satan seems like somebody that would come only to steal, kill, and destroy. And at some level, yes, he is talking about something that Satan would do. But in this particular context, Jesus is not talking about Satan. Jesus is actually speaking about the religious leaders of Israel. And what he's saying in this moment is that anyone who steps into anybody else's life and as a result steals something, kills something, or destroys something, that person is a thief. You think about your own life. Anybody who has stepped into your life and stolen something from you, maybe you're innocent, killed something, perhaps a relationship, or destroyed something, maybe your self-esteem, Jesus would say, that person is a thief. They come only to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, with that definition of a thief, I'm going to ask you a question. You're not really going to like where this question is going, but we got to take it there to have this conversation. So here is my question to you. Who 
has the greatest chance to steal your future, kill a relationship, or destroy you. And the answer is the same for every single one of us, and you're not going to like the answer. The answer is you. You, we, have more potential to steal, kill, and destroy than anyone else. And we don't want to admit this, but deep down we know that's true. But we say things like, ah, my own worst enemy. Why, how do I do this again? Why do I keep doing this to myself? Well, the truth is, we personally have done more to undermine our own happiness than anyone else. Now, you might push back and you say, John, you're wrong. You're way off base. But let me remind you of a couple of things. Right? Let's roll the videotape, so to speak. It was you who leased that car. That was too expensive. And now you're sucking wind. Right? It was you who answered that text message at 2 a.m. that said, you up. It was you, maybe you sent that message, I don't know. No, in this crowd, probably. You, it was you who drank it. It was you who smoked it. it. It was you who slept with it. Then you dated it. Some of you married it, okay? Like, you, like you, you've all done these things to yourself, and you look at Jesus' definition of a thief, and then we look at our lives, and we look at the videotape, and we realize that, yeah, unfortunately, more times than not, we are, in fact, that we are the ones that were, we were there for all that stuff. We, we are that common denominator. And as much as we want to blame other people for the unhappiness in our lives, and I am sure there are particular circumstances where other folks are to blame, the truth is, more times than not, we are our own worst enemy. Aren't you glad you came to church? <laughs> I told you this week was going to be lighter. I lied. All right? So... Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, he would say, right? Now he's switching gears. But I have come in order that you might have life, life in all its fullness. This is the verse that we looked at last week. Now, this word fullness is good. It's not great. When you actually look at what Jesus said in the word that, that John used in the original Greek, what Jesus really said was, I came to bring you more of a, an abundant, rich, and satisfying life. He would say, I, unlike the thief, I have come to bring you life like you've never seen before. Life like you've, you've never experienced before. Life that you don't normally encounter in the day-to-day -day workings of things. Jesus says, I have come to bring you life, the kind of life when people look at you, they say, wow, what is different about you? And it's not that you haven't gone through things. You've gone through things, but there's just, there's something about you that's different. What do you have? that I don't have. Jesus continues the illustration. He goes, I am the good shepherd. He's back to the sheep now. I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Let me stop, pause here, make an aside because this is important. I want to make sure we don't miss this. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. If someone is willing to lay their life down for you, they are for you. Let me just say that again so we don't miss this. If someone says they're willing to lay their life down for you, that means they're for you. Many of us think that God is against us. Many of us think that God hates us or have been told that God hates us. But scripture is clear here and a lot of other places. God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son 
to be a good shepherd who would lay down his life for his sheep. So Jesus in this moment is, is juxtaposing this thief alongside the good shepherd, and he goes, a thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I come to give and heal and build. Jesus would say, you got a decision to make, folks. You're going to follow the thief, who many times is you, or are you going to choose to believe that I'm the good shepherd? That when you follow me, listen to my voice, obey my commands, submit your life to me, I will lead you into life and life like you've never seen before. Rich, satisfying, abundant life to the fullest. So at times, unfortunately, we are our own worst enemy. But according to scripture, we are not our only enemy. The other enemy we deal with is sin. Talked about this last week. You're well acquainted with it now. We learn that sin separates. Sin separates, okay? Sin separates us from God. We talked about the nation of sin and the kingdom of God and that great divide that Jesus came to bridge that separation. Sin separates us from other people. Scripture says we can actually sin against one another and there's this separation and you felt that. And sin separates us from ourselves. You hear people say, maybe you've said it yourself, you know, if I did that, I could never live with myself. You look at, you know, I can't even look at myself in the mirror. There's almost this internal separation that, that sin causes. So based on how sin operates in our lives, I think it's fair to say that sin would fall into the category of a thief. I think it's fair to say that sin comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So we got enemies all over the place as human beings. We got enemies on the inside of us. We got enemies on the outside of us. And if we are not vigilant in who we are following, we can undermine our own unhappiness. With that framework in place, now we can have the conversation about the confusion that surrounds happiness and pleasure. Let's have a little science class here real quick. Psychologically speaking, right? Psychologically speaking, happiness is distinct from pleasure. But the two are easily confused because they both feel good. Happiness, this is science now, happiness is triggered by the neurotransmitter acetylcholine. Right? There's not going to be a quiz later, so don't take notes on that. Happiness is triggered by acetylcholine. Pleasure is triggered by dopamine. And we all know that word dopamine. And because of how dopamine works, pleasure, let's talk about pleasure for a second, pleasure is Ooh, immediate, powerful, but fleeting. Pleasure dissipates. It wears off. It's only momentary. Happiness, on the other hand, is not immediate, but it is ultimate. Happiness is not fleeting or momentary. Rather, it is deep and abiding. Every week I've opened up by talking about how God created happiness. However, what we don't normally talk about is how God also created pleasure, just to spice things up a little bit for us, okay? Now, I'm not going to be that creepy pastor that stands up here and talks about how God created sex, because that skeeves me when they do that. It's just, ugh. Anyway, but I am completely comfortable talking about how God made wine. I could, that, I could do that. 
right? That was Jesus' first miracle, right? His disciples would go, what are we going to do? What do you want to do? You want to raise somebody from the dead? He goes, no, let's make Bordeaux, right? I like that. That I can get behind. Why is that important to know? I mean, all kidding aside. Because it means God is not against pleasure, just as God is not against happiness. The problem is not either or. The problem for us is priorities. Because when we prioritize pleasure over happiness, that's a problem. According to science, and scripture backs this up, and when scripture and science are saying the same thing, man, you've got to listen, man. According to science and scripture, when we prioritize pleasure over happiness, ultimately, we get neither. If you pursue pleasure, and you ignore the principles that lead to happiness as outlined by Jesus, and we're going to talk about those principles next week, so I want to invite you to come back. If you pursue pleasure and you ignore the principles that lead to happiness, you will get neither. Because pleasure, if left unchecked in our lives, ultimately undermines happiness. Due to the very scientific nature of how pleasure works, eventually pleasure loses its pleasure and can become a prison because of the law of, of diminishing returns. You see this a lot with alcohol, right? You know, at first it's a glass of wine after a hard day's work, not a problem, just to take an edge off, nothing wrong there. After a while, though, you need two glasses. Then it's three. Now it's a bottle. Now a bottle's not even cutting it. The next thing you know, you've lost your phone, you've blacked out, and you're crying in the shower the next morning. Pleasure loses its pleasure. If we're not careful with pleasure, science and scripture both agree that pleasures can become our master. When we're, it, like, when we're not careful, we can end up pursuing pleasure, thinking, thinking we are on the road to happiness, but the road that we're actually on is very, very dangerous. Soon those pleasures can become priorities. We find ourselves answering to those pleasures. They're calling the shots in our lives. What started off as something innocent, not illegal, not even immoral, can turn into a habit, can turn into an addiction, or just a pathway to something darker in your life. Paul teases this out for us, Romans 6.16. He says this, don't you realize, like you should just know this, don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you obey? And I love the word that he gives us here, whatever. I'm so glad that he said this. He goes, for our context, he would say, don't you realize if you continue to say yes to a, a pleasure, if you continue to obey that pleasure, if you continue to prioritize that pleasure, eventually you will become a slave to that pleasure. Now, we hear what Paul is saying. We want to argue with him, don't we? We want to say, Paul, listen, you're a wise guy. You know, you're a wise man. I love that love chapter that you wrote, used it in my wedding. But you're way off base here. You're way off base here. I'm not a slave to my pleasure. I'm choosing it. Paul would say, fine. If you keep choosing it over and over and over and over, if that pleasure knocks on your door and you continually answer it, and now you're at a place where you're looking out the window, seeing if it's coming down the road like an Amazon Prime truck, you're no longer choosing it. You're being sucked in. You're giving up control. You are behaving like a slave, like you have to, not like 
you want. He says, so you can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Talked about this last week. Sin shows up in your life, something always dies. Sin kills things. You've seen sin kill marriages. You've seen sin kill relationships. You've seen sin kill careers. You've seen sin kill finances. Sin has destroyed so many of our self-esteem. So Paul says, look, you could, you, could, you could be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Or there's an alternative. Or you could choose to obey God. The choice really is yours. But just know that every day of your life, you are offering yourself up to something through obedience. Every day, you're making a choice to put your life, your future, your happiness into the hands of someone else or something else. And Paul would say, you can obey sin. You can choose to say yes to pleasure. Not all pleasure is sin. Or you can choose to obey God. As Jesus would say, you can, you can choose to follow the good shepherd. And when you do, Paul would say, it leads to righteous living. This word righteous here means right standing with God, meaning you and God are good. Meaning when you choose to submit your life to the good shepherd, when you choose to obey God, yes, 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 whatever it is, God, the answer is yes. Then you as a child of God, will be in right standing with God. And when you are in right standing with God, you will, we talked about this last week, have peace with God. And every truly happy person has peace with God. There's an old hymn I was reminded about this week. Trust and obey, there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. But here's where we get ourselves in trouble. Many of us have not fully submitted our lives to God. Many of us are Christians in this room. Not all of us. Many of us are Christians in this room. And yet we are saying yes to sin at some level in our lives. And according to what we learned last week, because of that, we don't have peace with God. And when you don't have peace with God, we're not happy. And when we're unhappy, we reach for pleasure that quick fix of dopamine, and that vicious cycle starts. I'm unhappy, so I'm going to go shopping. And there's nothing wrong with shopping, at least not at first. I'm unhappy. So you know what? I'm going to pour a glass of wine, and there's nothing wrong with wine, at least not at first. I'm unhappy, so I'm going to go post on Instagram. I'm unhappy... So I'm going to call him at quarter after one in the morning. All of us know that thing that we reach for to make ourselves feel better. But that pleasure is short-lived. And when it wears off, we got to do it again. And when it wears off, we got to do it again and again and again. And we end up feeling worse and worse and worse. The truth is, folks, there is no quick fix for unhappiness. If you keep going to a pleasure, whatever that is, as a quick fix for your unhappiness, the only thing you are doing is undermining your own happiness. Jesus lays it out for you. 
Paul says it clearly. If you want happiness, if you want peace, if you want life and life to the fullest, you got to follow the good shepherd. You got to listen to his voice. You got to obey his commands. You got to submit your life to him. And you will be happy. It won't be immediate. That's not how happiness works. But it will be ultimate. And it will be deep. And it will be abundant. So what's the practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it is your first time here at DHC, I know it is for many of you. Every single week we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and just know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So today what I want to do, I want to give you a couple of questions, very pointed questions. And I want you to answer these questions because you're not going to want to answer these questions, but nobody can read your mind. Nobody can read your heart. There's no reason why you shouldn't answer these questions. And I'll go so far as to say only a thief wouldn't want you to answer these questions. So the first question is this. Is there a pleasure that's beginning to undermine your own happiness? Maybe it's a sin, maybe it's not a sin. Maybe it's illegal, maybe it's not illegal. But is there a pleasure that's beginning to undermine your own happiness? And I'm being so vague with what pleasures are because I believe this is how the Holy Spirit works. I believe the Holy Spirit will convict you and spotlight in your life exactly, you know exactly what I'm talking about for you. And you don't want to admit it because if you admit it, you got to do something about it. But is there a pleasure, I don't know what it is, that is just, just beginning, early stages to impact your happiness? Let's take it a step further. Is there a pleasure that could undermine the happiness of someone you love? Are you engaged in some activity, illegal, not illegal, I, mean, I don't know, that if you continue to say yes to this, if you continue to obey it, it has the potential to undermine the happiness of your wife or your husband or your son or your daughter or your mom or your dad. You're still kind of wrestling around with whether this thing is what it is. I'm going to give you a red flag. Here's a red flag. Is there a pleasure that those around you have begun to question? Maybe your child says, hey, Dad, why do you always? Hey, Mom, it seems like you. Maybe your best friend took you to coffee one day and said, have noticed you seem to be. If your reaction to those concerns is to flip out, push back, and blow up, as Shakespeare would say, methinks the lady doth protest too much. If you continue to say yes to that pleasure, you, according to Jesus, are a thief. You are only doing something that will ultimately, not immediately, if it were immediate, you wouldn't do it, and it ultimately undermine your own happiness. Listen, if what you're doing is illegal or immoral, you should stop. Immediately. No questions asked. We didn't even have this conversation. Just stop it. But in your mind right now, if you're kind of thinking about, well, this thing, you know, it's not, it's not illegal at all. I mean, it's not, it, it, it's, it's, there's really nothing even wrong with it technically. I, 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 let me give you a question that you can ask yourself. Take that thing right now that you're wrestling around with. Is it wise? In light of your past experiences, 
in light of your current circumstances, things that you're going through, in light of your future hopes and dreams, is it wise for you to continue to say yes to this thing? If you're looking for happiness, if you're looking for peace with God, peace with others, and peace with yourself, is this a wise thing for me to continue to be saying yes to? We want to be living differently. We want to stop reaching for that pleasure that we know is going to help in the moment, but ultimately we're going to wake up the next morning and regret it, or the next week, or the next year. we got to make a difference in our lives. we got to start thinking long-term, leaning into the principles of happiness as outlined by Scripture. Let me pray for you. Dear only Father, I want to thank you that we have the opportunity to come together today. Lord, you have blessed us with the gift of happiness and the gift of pleasure, but as humans, we lose our way in the middle of that sometimes. And Lord, so many of us, because we are in fact human, tend to reach for that quick fix. We tend to reach for that pleasure that ultimately, ultimately undermines our own happiness. God, I pray that today you would convict us. I pray that today you would put a spotlight on those activities, mindsets, behaviors, relationships, whatever it is, Lord, that we have been going to, that we know ultimately will hurt us, but we just, in that moment, help us live differently. Help us to act differently. Help us to choose differently. Help us to make wise decisions, Lord, so that we can find happiness. Not immediately, Lord, but ultimately. We put all of this in Jesus' name.